This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get to it. Swifty and the Sparrow. It's our midweek roundtable with Catherine Swift, the former president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, current spokesperson for working Canadians. How's Swifty? Not too bad, John. Appreciate your coming in. <laughs> and Dave Sparrow is with us, the president of ACRA National. That's the union representing performers across Canada. How's the Sparrow? I am excellent, John, and keeping my eye on Swifty and the Sparrow right here. Hey, by the way, <laughs> uh, I went to see uh, the musical Hamilton last night. Yes, nice. Yeah, outstanding. But, you know, I'm looking at the credits. I mean, are you ACRA folk involved with that at all? Uh, that would be equity, and oh. uh, I believe that uh, most of the cast is actually a Broadway cast that's visiting, so probably American Actors' Equity, but nonetheless. Wow, great. okay, so there's no CanCon there, is what you're saying. Uh, I, I can't uh, com- confirm nor <laughs> deny that. I'll, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. Okay, uh, I was just going to say, full value of the show. I just wondered about Canadian employment for uh, actors, actresses, dancers. Well, we do have some fabulous great shows uh, um, that are going on, of course, Come From Away, yeah, um, no. which is doing uh, great work on both sides to the border with Canadians. It is. All right. Well, there you go. You've redeemed yourself. Uh, let me ask you, Swifty. I mean, you're standing here, and I know before we got started, you were alluding to, we all were, uh, the tragic loss, all too young, Christy Blatchford, age 68. Uh, she was the intrepid reporter who uh, dug deeply, got the stories, always had an interesting uh, go-for-the-throat kind of angle on things. Uh but you knew her personally. I knew. I won't say I was. Um, I knew her really well, but I certainly did uh, have um, a number of get-togethers, uh, various events we were both at, and, and that kind of thing. Unruly uh, stuff. They were usually alcohol was usually involved. I, I will <laughs> confess. One of, one of the really fun ones, and this sort of is classic Christie, was we were both invited to. Um, it was during the G, the G uh, the 20? G twenty and twenty two thousand and ten, mm. and um, we were. Both both invited to this brunch uh, by Lorene Harper, uh, and it was all of the wives and spouses, but uh, Merkel's husband didn't show, so it was all these women, wives of the politicians that were at the... And Christy and I shared... A, the security was insane, you can imagine. And they sent they sent drivers for us, and they and it just so happened the driver picked me up and then went to pick Christy up, so we, we shared the trip there together, and, and then we ended up sitting together at the, at the brunch. And um, it was, it was just, I mean, it was, it was high-end pomp. You, you can just imagine, right? I mean, and, and all these events are like that. And the, the, and the, the, mind you, there was lots of lovely cocktails. Mm. At the, and and I, I, I don't know if I laughed. Uh, it's certainly one of the events I've laughed more than uh, anything else at because she, of course, had no time for the pomp. And that's kind of my take on things, too. And, uh, and we had a very, very fun time with all of these dignitaries, uh, the spouses of dignitaries. But what was hilarious? Well, there was lots that was hilarious. But they they were some of them were talking to us these were people we'd never met before likely never meet again telling us all this gossip there was all this gossip about carla bruni who mm. at the time and she didn't she was a no-show right. and and some of the others were going yeah she never comes she's such a snob and, i mean it was just it, that was we, macron's we just, wife yeah, that, Leader it, of no, uh, sarkozy sarkozy, sarkozy. she was yeah, the sarkozy. she was the actress and, and yeah, model yeah, yeah. Italian. anyway it was just it was just a crazy time and i remember sitting with her and, and i don't think we stopped laughing that the entire time we were there but another time i happened to be this was again years ago but i was the um, empire club president at the 
time, you know, that speaking club downtown. Mm-hmm. And Christy was on a panel speaking this day with a couple of other reporters. And, um, of course, the Empire Club has been around for over 100 years, very sort of old school kind of structure and whatnot. And she drops the F-bomb <laughs> on the mm-hmm. stage that day. <laughs> and I, I remember, I think I thanked them for coming and I th- and saying that I, I think that was the first time ever and maybe to this day that the F-bomb was ever dropped at a stage uh, at the Empire Club. But I thought those were sort of classic, uh, you know, Christie experiences. And uh, I was shocked when I heard this morning and when I flipped the news on. I mean, I knew she was sick, but I think I was just shocked that uh, that she had passed. Yeah, well, a real character and obviously a testament where a lot of people regaling us uh, with stories earlier today. Alex Pearson as well joined the show and going back to, uh, you know, some of the highlights. And he, like you say, the, she had a salty crustiness about her, but it was authentic. And I think that's really what made her so endearing. And uh, quintessentially Canadian, big uh, supporter of the troops, the police, and uh, firefighters, first responders, paramedics, such as you once were, Mr. Sparrow. Absolutely. I think a lot of listeners will have heard her thoughts uh, expressed uh, in, in various uh, formats. And uh, she always seemed to uh, speak from uh, fact, speak from the heart, and uh, not necessarily be driven by whether a left-wing or right-wing ideology um, consistently, instead speaking to each topic on its own, and that was something you could really respect. And a rarity, uh, such a rarity in this day and age, uh, because she didn't mince words, uh, however, you know, she felt about a topic, or worry if it was popular or trendy or politically correct or whatever. It's interesting you say that, because even in the current context, of, uh, let's say, some of these big news stories, people do step gingerly around them because certain sensibilities, you don't want to tweak noses and you get, you know, the Twitterverse just comes and assaults you, like the native blockades of these tracks east of us here, uh, just east of Belleville, uh, supposedly in solidarity with the folks who uh, don't want to see the pipeline built in Wet'suwet'en territory out in B.C., what do you think, Dave Sparrow, though, uh, the response ought to be to this blockade? I mean, Jagmeet Singh was saying Trudeau's got to come off his gallivant note in Africa soliciting votes for a U.N. Security Council seat, come straight home. He's complicit in this. He talked big on truth and reconciliation. He has a duty to be a party to the consultations or at least uh, ameliorate something, doesn't he, even, even if only symbolically? Well, I, I do think that it's uh, imperative that when you've got something like this going on in your own country, then you should be home as the leader in order to help steer us through that and and to uh, promote a conversation among the two sides and see if you can't arrive at an answer. Um, I will say that absolutely Canada should have somebody in Africa. It need not necessarily be the prime minister uh, because, frankly, the world needs Canada on the U.N. Security Council, especially with all the uh, craziness that's going on around the, the world in terms of isolationism and other things. But back to the blockade and such is um, I think that it's a it's a really uh, delicate negotiation and uh, consultation that needs to take place. And I'm certainly not an expert on it, but um, it's not lost on me that the people down in Tyandonega here in Ontario, that a large uh, portion of the income that comes to uh, their uh, area is uh, through the sale of gasoline products and, and et cetera. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're all caught, whether we be um, Indigenous people or, or others, be in the struggle between what we see as uh, the proper actions on climate change and what we see as the necessity of providing the fuels that are necessary to heat our homes and move our vehicles. Well, okay, uh, Swifty, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, but certainly there's the rule of law. That, to me, kind of trumps every other consideration. Am I wrong? 
No, you're not wrong at all, and and that is the one of the bedrocks of a civilized society, supposedly, and it's being flaunted quite uh, extensively and excessively here. Um, but I think I, I would take issue, John, with your calling this a native protest. I think there's money flowing into this country from U.S. interests, all these NGOs, so-called, you know, these third-party groups. Uh, uh, we we know in the case of the Coastal Gas Link, for example, that uh, all of the indigenous groups. It, actually directly affected by it are on side with the project. They they want the economic development for the reasons that Dave alludes to, that people's livelihoods are at stake here. They're exceedingly important. Uh, and uh, the fact that... What, what, what I, there are so many aspects to it, but what gets me is, why is Canada the mother load center of all of this kind of protest action and so on. The reason is we have pandering weak leaders who do pander to these groups. Trudeau's talk, the, the UN declaration on the UNDRIP, you know, the rights of indigenous people, which even Jody Wilson-Raybould backed off her support on because also she's a lawyer, so I suspect that had something to do with it, because she saw that signing on to that was, was giving a blank check to groups, and, and in this case we've got, I think it's five L. L- Elders, five of right. these ancestral, you know, Hereditary. they're not even elected yep. from this, uh, you know, this particular uh, indigenous group, uh, whereas the actual elected leaders and uh, and the majority of people su- are very supportive. So uh, I, 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 our, our leaders are getting what they deserve, sadly, and people that have elected them, I guess, are getting well, what they here's deserve, a, here's too. a problem. Mark Garneau, the transport minister, yesterday said uh, this is something that the province has to clear uh, up because... It was an injunction sought by CN. It, they went to the Superior Court. That's provincial. And therefore, uh, it has to be the authorities in Ontario, i.e. the OPP, that deal with this. Well, I, I think that you can... you can. Just, it, that was such a, a, a cop-out, for starters, because obviously this is affecting more than one province, and anything that goes interprovincially is a federal well, the responsibility. Blockades, though, the blockades here. But I'm not. But I'm not letting off. Hey, there's also there's also right. blockades in BC going I on understand. and so on for the same cause. But the RCMP is dealing with it out there because that's their yes, provincial. No, the RCMP are non dealing with it out there. But mm. but yeah, I, I'm not saying there's no provincial responsibility as well. But can we not have some collaboration between our provincial and federal governments on this oh, so issue? Trudeau ought to come back and at least present himself. Uh, but he, he can never make a hard choice, though. What he does well, on difficult decisions is procrastinate and bog off somewhere so that he can go to a bunch of photo ops and basically accomplish nothing. Well, that's what's happening as far as, uh, and Jugmeet Singh is a guy who said, you know, get your ass over here right away. My word's not his. But uh, And the other question, though, Dave Sparrow, look, uh, if you've just got a band of, as you know, uh, Swifty said, you know, five hereditary chiefs, how many is a quorum to affect a veto? I mean, do you need universal consent uh, entirely or is it you know a case of the majority rules or at least you've got consultation taking place and then you go ahead with the project well i think consultation is imperative but as you've alluded, all the regulations by the way have already been met mm-hmm. and and so then we get into the situation that we've faced a number of times as a country or as a province where um, indigenous groups uh, form a blockade and Sometimes uh, those go on for a long time, certainly in other provinces as well. And, you know, uh, the only... tie up the economy? I, I, I recognize that, but the question is, how far are you willing to go in order to interrupt that? Uh, certainly we've seen in the past where... You get a court injunction. Uh, a court injunction. Just enforce it. And so what does that enforcement look like? Obviously, what, I, what I'm getting at is that do you bring in force? Do you bring in potentially deadly force in order to stop something like this? 
uh, we've seen in the past that that is not um, a it's n- it's not fair it's not it's not just um, and b it sends a wrong message to the world about how Canada treats its indigenous people. So I think that these are extremely tough discussions and and frankly, like I said, I, I'm no expert in and really. Um, could not a- advise on how best to well, find a solution. But, but what do we do? Just capitulate? And I mean, it, it, this is absurd that that you're you're risking and you know many many people's livelihoods, uh, and it could ultimately be safety as well. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, thank goodness. But yeah, it's it's a real difficulty. But again, the U.S. does these projects just to you know use that as an example all the time. They also have a you know significant indigenous population. Why is Canada always the target? because we ask for it. Our politicians, we're soft. We do not act on these things. And what is the option? Do we let it go on forever? Is, is this the... Uh, unfortunately, the, you might have seen the, the video of uh, BC politicians, and these are all NDPers, so I thought it was kind of poetic justice, but they, uh, you know, getting turned away from the legislature because some woman waved a feather in the, in the face of one of the ministers, and so she backed off. I mean, is this, is this how we want to run our country? By the At way, some point, uh, you've got to take them on. Isn't there a duty to consult the people who support the project, the native bands that support the project? Consult them. I assume that that consultation is, t- is no, taking place. No, it's usually place. the people who are <clears throat> protesting that, uh, you know, are demanding the consultation. And to Swifty's point, that's the ones the politicians seem to... And also the the media, an awful lot of the media cover the and I guess a squeaky wheel thing. That's not an unusual, you know. The, the what if it bleeds, it leads. But uh, why the media doesn't give at all proportionate coverage to the you know ninety odd percent of indigenous groups that support these projects, realize they're good for them and good for their colleagues. Uh, the 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 people that are the uh, protesters they get most of the coverage, and so it's a it, it it's a disproportionate impact on public opinion and on on how the the political decisions ultimately pan out. Did you want to add anything, Sparrow, or you've already said you've basically shot the bolt here? That was it. <clears throat> I. You know what I said back uh, when we discussed uh, um, this whole pipeline issue back in the uh, fall on a number of occasions? I said that I personally believe that pipelines are safer than transporting this bitumen by rail. Well, and well, I saw that. That's I saw not that your that personal view. That's facts, uh, yes. fact-based well, science. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. So as a result... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the government has made a consultation. I don't agree with them, frankly, in terms of buying the pipeline in order to uh, try to uh, do it. But nonetheless, um, the the pipeline makes sense purely from a safety point of view. Whether, um, you know, when it comes down to whether the various Indigenous groups are in agreement with one another, that's something, again, is way above my pay grade, and I simply uh, do not know enough of the details of the law or, or of, of treaties and other things to be able to comment in a, in a, in a satisfactory but this is, way. But this is part of the problem with this whole Indigenous issue that affects an awful lot of stuff, not just energy projects, is that there is no consensus in that community. There's all kinds of different points of view, and that's fine, well, but then he, how, how can you possibly say you're ever going to have... 100% on board with anything. Uh, they can't agree themselves about well, what, what, how to go forward. On the one hand, yeah, you have the hereditary chiefs. On the other, you have the elected band councils. And to a lot of people, uh, democratically elected band councils seems to be re- uh, reflective of the popular will uh, for the greater but part. But it's not the only issue, John. I mean, the Indian Act, there's different points well, of view. No, some say scrap it, some say no, keep it. Anyway, and on and on and on. So well, this you know, is John, not a new I w- issue. I will say that uh, I, I never thought 
thought I'd wish we could talk more about the teacher strike, but um, yeah, I understand. I don't have time. Well, there'll be time for we'll that. We'll have yet. to save it. Yeah, it's not going away anytime soon because really, at the heart of it, as I was saying earlier and uh, before you guys got here, to me, the standoff is really coming down to who controls the education. Absolutely, system. it is. That's what it is uh, at its fundamental. I appreciate you both coming in, Swifty and the Sparrow, Catherine Swift, former head of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, Dave Sparrow. He is the president of Actra National. Thank you both. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.